0: Axe and Roll presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is an unfortunate Saturday evening as I am recording this one slightly earlier than I normally do. Uh, it is too bad that I have to record this one after the Nuggets get absolutely walloped, shellacked, smacked around, disemboweled, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it was ugly. In, in this particular game for as the series moves to 2-2, final score, Portland, I think they were at 1,000 points, and the Nuggets only got to about 95. Uh, it was a really, really bad showing from your Denver Nuggets. Uh, they did not match the Blazers' intensity, their effort level, their execution level, and Denver got blown out because of it. It's not all bad. It feels bad, but here's the thing Denver has two home games to get two more wins, plus another opportunity on the road if it comes to that. Denver is going to be okay as long as they put together some, like, if they put, if they string together a couple of good performances, get some bounce back performances, they should be fine. But Nuggets fans that were hoping for a Clean, quick series uh, to finish in five games, this is not for you. This isn't. Denver was never going to really have that. I talked about it last night that Denver would be getting Portland's best punch in game four. This was their game seven because you don't come back from 3 1 in this league very often. I know I keep saying that, and I know that Nuggets fans keep thinking, Oh, man, well, Denver did it twice, so clearly it happens a lot. Well, the last time it happened before Denver did it was when Golden State did it against, uh, or when the Cleveland Cavaliers did it against Golden State in the 2016 finals. It's once every four years, in this case with Denver twice. So it really doesn't happen that often. So this was the Blazers trying to recover the ship, trying to get a win in front of their home crowd, This series was always going to go deep, and I'm not surprised that Denver lost this game. It's a little disappointing that Denver lost in the manner that they did, but there were a lot of factors that kind of piled on that I think Nuggets fans can take with some solace that, look, this may not happen again, at least in the manner that it did tonight. The games going forward are probably going to be closer. The real question is whether Denver can get back on track. So let's talk about what happened. Michael Malone mentioned the effort level. He mentioned the, the softness of Denver, uh, often that manifests itself on the defensive end. I think the big story of tonight was the offense completely disappearing. 95 points just isn't close enough. It was at 66 through three quarters. That means you average 22 points a quarter. In a series where the winning team has won a game by uh, by scoring 123 points, 128 points, 120 points, and 115 points tonight, that was what the Blazers actually scored. So if you're Denver, you cannot score 66 points in three quarters. Michael Malone was always going to talk about the effort level, but that's really not what happened tonight. What happened tonight or today? was that the Nuggets struggled to score. They could not keep up their level of shooting that they had established through the first three games. And that shouldn't be a surprise. What also happened, and what really kind of exacerbated the issue, was that Nikola Jokic didn't make the shots that he was normally making. So in a game that Denver lost by 20, though it was at 30 at various points, if Nikola Jokic hits one more three, if he hits a couple more long twos, goes 10 of 18 through the first three quarters as opposed to 7 of 18, then maybe this game turns out a little bit differently. But the fact is, Jokic struggled. He struggled on shots, and give Yusuf Nurkic credit. I thought his defense, especially early, was really good. It didn't help that Nikola Jokic missed some bunnies at the beginning of the game. He never does that, and when you saw him start the game 1 of 6, 1 of 7, not a great sign. Not a great sign that Denver it was it was gonna be that Denver was in for the long haul in this one, that they were going to be at a disadvantage, and they were basically at a disadvantage throughout the entirety of the game. Save for a really solid bench performance in the second quarter that got things back square. The problem was around Nikola Jokic, because as bad as Nikola Jokic was tonight, he still was seven of eighteen. Like it was 16 points on 18 shots. Damian Lillard scored 10 points on 10 shots. So let's not think like, okay, Denver could have figured some things out around Nikola Jokic. The problem? Denver's second leading scorer was Faku Campazo and Monte Morris. They were both tied at 12 points apiece. That just wasn't going to cut it. It never was. Uh, Michael Porter, complete no-show today. Michael Porter can't get off any shots. Against this good Blazers defense. Three points tonight, one of three from the field, did have a nice three off of a, a good pump fake and relocation uh, when Damian Lillard tried to close out on him. But any time that Norman Powell or Robert Covington or even CJ McCollum was on him, he could not get anything going. Because they know what his weaknesses are and they have been digging their fingernails into those weaknesses and just completely ripping him apart. We're going to talk more about Michael Porter in the third segment because I don't want to belabor it, uh, but when you are a star, or when you want to be a star, and you say that, that like, hey, you want more opportunities, you want more shots, you want to be the guy, this was an opportunity for him to do so, and he only got off three shots because the Nuggets couldn't get him the basketball. And that wasn't on them. It really was on Michael Porter. Not being strong with the ball, not being able to hold his spots, and not being able to do what he needed to do as a good scorer to get the ball into his hands. Even when the ball got into his hands sometimes, the Blazers were just digging at him constantly. Robert Robert Covington and Norman Powell both attacked him as soon as he put the ball on the floor. and. That was the right thing to do. That is how you mess with Michael Porter is you close out his airspace on the jumpers and then you force him to put the ball on the floor and attack his dribble. They did a great job of that and give him credit. That completely neutralized Denver's offense. And then beyond Jokic and beyond Michael Porter, when those guys combined for 19 points, like, you know, you're in, in trouble, of course, but the Nuggets players. They shot poorly. Kick-out threes, relocation threes, self-created threes, whatever you want to call it, even driving to the rim. Uh, Denver shot 29.5% from three today, and that number improved in garbage time. Denver just had a bad day on the offensive end. I thought the Blazers had a really good game plan. They basically turned what they were doing against the Nuggets in Game 3 up to, f- up to 11 in Game 4 turned up the intensity, turned up the physicality, wanted to make things difficult. And they did. And Denver's offense completely crumbled because of that, because it's hard to expect Vaku Campazzo, Monte Morris, Aaron Gordon, uh, even Michael Porter uh, to carry the offense around Nicole Jokic when he is, I thought that he was fine. Uh, not great though. And and. Like Seven of 18 really stands out, but Denver's offense around him, when he was getting double-teamed, he was still moving the ball reasonably well, and the Nuggets just couldn't make shots around him. They've got to find somebody who can. Denver didn't hit their jumpers today, but they also struggled at the rim. I thought there were a lot of chances for Denver after the Blazers would press up on them on the perimeter, and Denver uh, guys would beat their man off the dribble and then miss a layup. Faku is getting really bad at that. Uh, he's had a really, really rough series in terms of driving to the rim. Uh, he does a good job of usually kicking out passes. But whenever he has to put a shot up off the rim, it's a really big question mark for Denver. Uh, Austin Rivers was struggling driving to the rim today. Aaron Gordon got his shot blocked multiple times. Michael Porter got stripped multiple times. It's just a really bad Situation for Denver. Uh, yeah, it's just not a lot to say about it other than Denver, they didn't hit the shots that they needed to hit in order to stay in this game. Again, 95 points, it's just not close. It's like 95 points just isn't good enough against a good offensive team like the Blazers. 66 points through three quarters, that needs to be way closer to 80. Even at worst, like Denver's had, uh, through through three quarters, they've had multiple times where they've been closer to 100 than they have to 60, which, uh, that's going to be a barometer for the rest of this series. If they can't get to 80 points through three quarters, I'm going to call it a loss automatically. Because I just see the Blazers and know that they have a formula that they can get a, at least a decent shot off pretty much every single time. Denver doesn't have the luxury. They don't have the defensive guards in order to make that difficult. And those defensive guards, if they're out there like Shaq Harrison, then Denver doesn't have the spacing on the offensive end in order to counteract that. So we're going to see. We're going to see how it goes. Uh, it was a really, really tough offensive performance. When we come back, we're going to talk about the defense. We're going to talk about the good, because there was some good, but we're also going to talk mostly about the bad. Uh, And then in the third segment, we will talk about Game 5 and and going back to Denver, tied 2-2, what that means, and answering some honest questions about this Nuggets group. We'll be right back. But first, this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. It's playoff time, big stakes, bigger promotions, DraftKings is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $5 into $200, 40 to 1 odds on any basketball game. All you have to do is pick any team that is still in the hunt for the trophy, and if that team wins, you will receive $200 in free credits. As somebody who did this, and as somebody who won a bet, I received $200 in free credits, and it was great. Very happy to have it. Unfortunately, I bet on the Nuggets today, and uh, and that that was a that was a big problem. I, I wasted my a couple of my free credits bets that that I had because I bet on the Nuggets. But that's my fault. I had talked about how the Blazers would come out with intensity and should have definitely capitalized on that. But you could capitalize too. I think that Denver's going to win Game Five. So if you bet on Denver and they win, you will be credited with two hundred dollars in free credits. All it takes to claim these forty to one odds on the basketball team of your choosing is placing a $5 bet on that team. You could do it on baseball, hockey, so much more. DraftKings, they're safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. All you have to do, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code MHS when you sign up to turn $5 into $200 in free credits. That's promo code MHS for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, wager paid out in site credits, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. pickaxe and roll ryan blackburn here thank you so much for tuning in no is a tough loss and i know that that can definitely drive down like like download numbers and and listener counts and whatnot but for those that tuned in and for those that are still interested in hearing what i have to say thank you so much if you could please uh, rate review and subscribe on itunes five stars if you can that'd be super cool uh continuing to grow the podcast and and then it makes all the difference in the world so thank you so much all right, let's talk Nuggets defense because this is another factor that Denver hasn't really solved anything on the defensive end because here let's let's be honest here. The numbers that the Blazers have put up, uh, the number of points. They put up 123, then they put up 109, then they put up 115, then they put up 115. So Denver's been right around that 115 number against this Blazers unit and There have been certain things that they have done well at various points, but they haven't been able to string it all together. And that's one of the things that really stands out when talking about this Nuggets group is that they just don't have enough optionality and enough firepower in order to really put together a good, solid defense. I feel like having PJ Dozier out there, somebody who could just switch one through three, one through four even, on basically any of the Blazers' options. That would have really helped. Uh, He's not going to be there for this series. That's pretty clear. Uh, But not having guys that are switchable, that are athletic, that are able to get over those screens really well. Uh, I think Aaron Gordon's done a decent job. But sort of like Jeremy Grant in last year's playoffs, it wasn't perfect, especially when going up against guards. It's always going to be at a disadvantage. Aaron Gordon, Jeremy Grant, those guys were brought in to face the athletic wings, athletic forwards, guys like Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Luka Doncic, LeBron James, guys like that. They weren't brought in to defend. Last year was Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson. Uh, this year, it's Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Norman Powell even. like Norman Powell really broke out tonight, and we're going to talk about it right now. Uh, Actually, we'll just save that for a bit. Here's what Denver did well defensively in this game. Damian Lillard, he struggled today. Denver did a nice job of collapsing on him, of making sure that he wasn't going to be the guy that beat them. Uh, They forced him into some really tough shots, and he went 1 of 10 from the field. and That's about all you can ask from your defense. Uh, 1 of 10 from the field. He did go 7 of 7 from the line. But at least he didn't get to the line 12 or 13 times. He only got there seven. Finished with 10 points. Did have uh, 10 assists and eight rebounds. But look, you, you make those trades. You make those trade-offs. And if you told me that Denver held Damian Lillard to 10 points, 10 assists, then I'd feel pretty good about it. He only had one turnover. And that's probably what you look at if you're Denver. You probably don't feel that great about it because the starters and basically all the rotation players with the Blazers, they had a combined five turnovers. CJ Ellerby uh, had their sixth turnover uh, in, in garbage time, so it doesn't really count. Denver, in this case, they haven't done enough to bother the Blazers. One thing that they did do well was they only allowed four offensive rebounds total two of those were in garbage time. So Denver did a good job of of preventing the Blazers from getting second chance opportunities. But the bad thing that they did was they gave them a lot of great first chance opportunities. And let's start with Norman Powell. I thought Aaron Gordon did a really poor job on him defensively, at least at the beginning. He let Norman Powell get going, uh, gave him some freedom off ball. There was one play where Norman Powell elbowed him in the ribs or the stomach or whatnot, uh, and that certainly got him free and got him a nice three-pointer. That wasn't the only reason that Norman Powell went off, though, because there were some other possessions, and I counted them out. I, I looked at the buckets that Norman Powell was getting and the possessions that he was getting. Aaron Gordon was the primary culprit at the beginning of the game. It flipped towards the end of the game, Where Faku Kampazo was on him, and Faku just couldn't really do anything to bother him at his size. But those guys, I think Aaron Gordon allowing him to get going with some easy looks at the beginning of the game, that was one of the reasons why he went off for 29. If Aaron Gordon closes out harder, if he fights harder off ball to kind of get through those screens and, and make it more difficult for Powell, maybe Powell never gets going. Maybe this is a situation where neither Powell nor Lillard can score. But we'll never know because Powell went off and Aaron Gordon sort of let him. Faku, Kompazo, Michael Porter, they also allowed him to get downhill. Uh, he would attack Nikola Jokic two on one with Nurkic. And the Blazers commentators, they were, they were hounding Jokic for this and basically saying that he couldn't do anything defensively. When Powell was attacking him, that's because that Nurkic was right there, and because that Jokic had to play two on one. One of the reasons for this is because the screens that were freeing up Norman Powell from Nurkic were really good, and Denver's guards couldn't stay attached. Whether it was uh, whether it was Porter, whether it was Gordon, whether it was Faku, none of those guys could stay attached to Norman Powell. So Jokic would have to step up, but he couldn't step up too far, because if he stepped up too far, then that leaves Nurkic wide open. Or at least compromises things when Powell would swing the ball back towards Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum or somebody like that, because then Jokic is out of position on that side of the floor. So, Denver has to do a better job of defending Norman Powell one-on-one. He's going to have some off off the ball looks. He's going to be running off of screens, in pick and rolls, things like that. Denver can't overcommit to Norman Powell because it means that they then can't overcommit to Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and guys like that. They have to be able to to defend this honestly. Because if Powell is the guy that's going off, then Denver's sunk. They have no answer at that point. Their third best defender is going to most of the time be on. Norman Powell. So it's going to be interesting to see how they adjust to this, because he's just as dangerous now, clearly, as Lillard and McCollum. Maybe not Lillard, but I'd probably credit him and put him on McCollum's level. McCollum's been fine, but he's at 21 points on 19 shots. I would take that over 29 points on 15 shots. I think that's pretty simple. More bad stuff. Uh, Defending one pass away from Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. 18 assists between the two of them. They went to Nurkic, Powell, Covington, Mello, others. All of those guys were able to capitalize because Dame and CJ were able to create easy shots for them. Jokic has to commit so hard to stopping Dame. And a lot of the times, it's because he's Getting free off of screens. They're having to come out from 30, 35 feet against him. Same with CJ, but not quite as far. They have to come out and respect the jumper. And when they do that, Jokic is then put out of position because of it. So, there isn't really a great answer here. Denver just has to be able to recover to those other players quicker. Because if they don't commit to Damon CJ, those guys will continue to kill them. But if they do commit to them, the ball's going to be in the hands of Powell, Nurkic, Covington, Mello, guys like that. Those guys continuously made Denver pay throughout the game. And that's going to be an issue for Denver. Like once again, you had uh, Mello, Covington, and Powell. Those three guys specifically made 8 of 14 threes. That's tough. You need that to be closer to 5 of 14 or 6 of 14, something like that. You need to fight more on the margins everywhere else, too. Your offense needs to be better. Like, if Denver holds Portland under 110 points, they should be able to win. Because they should be able to score against the Blazers' defense. We'll talk about it more in the third segment, but defending a one pass away from Damon CJ shouldn't be this difficult. It really shouldn't. Then, on top of that, Denver also helped out in other ways. 25 free throws for Portland. That's not great. 24 assists to six turnovers. A four to one assist to turnover ratio is not going to get it done either. Denver wasn't able to pressure Portland into making significant mistakes. And that's probably the biggest factor when trying to flip this tide. You have to get into them, you have to do so without fouling. Or you have to be so physical that you get away with some of those extra fouls. You get called for some, but if you establish a physicality, you should be better off than if you're not being physical with them at all. And then when you come together briefly, that's when those ticky-tack fouls are called. So Denver, they're going to have to find a way to recover from this. Uh, This was a complete shellacking. 115-95 to was the final score, but that involves Denver kind of outscoring Portland by seven points in the final quarter. So it was a 28-point deficit, or 27-point deficit, heading into the fourth. That's not going to cut it. It's not going to get it done. Denver's going to have to figure that out. Uh, We're going to see if they can, but the good news is that they get to try to do so going back to Denver. That's a good sign. When we come back, we're going to talk about game five. We're going to talk about these final two, three games, however many there are left in this series, Uh, game five, game six, game seven, and, and ask some honest questions about these Denver Nuggets. We will be right back. Pick, action, roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Final segment. Let's talk about game five. Let's talk about what Denver has learned through these first four games and and what's going to be applied into the the final three games of the series. Remember, this is is now a best of three. Denver won one game in Portland. Portland won a game in Denver. So we're going to see which team can come out on top. Denver should have the advantage here because they have home court. Uh, We're going to see if that actually applies. Uh, Nuggets fans are going to have to get loud. Going to get 10,000 fans in the building on game five. That's going to be a factor. Going to need that passion, that energy. The Nuggets, uh, they clearly didn't have enough energy going into game four. So they're going to need you in game five. All right. Time to answer honestly on some of these questions. The first one. Will Nikola Jokic be better than he was in Game 4? I think we have a lot of evidence that points to yes. I can, without a doubt, say that yes. I think he is going to be better going forward in Games 5, 6, and 7. He might have an equivalent game, or maybe maybe something that's below the standard that he set in Games 1, 2, and 3. But I think he's going to be better than Game 4. I think Game 4 was his worst game of the series. He let Nurkic get to him a little bit, got some bad foul calls on him, uh, didn't necessarily defend with the vigor that you're hoping for in a in a closeout effort. So we're going to see whether he can bounce back. But I don't think this needs much of an explanation. He's the MVP. He's got a good matchup. He should be able to take advantage. Yes. The real question, the biggest question on all of Nuggets Nation's minds Is Michael Porter going to be better than he was in game four? I got to tell you guys, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to the problems that he's having. Because it feels like the Blazers have figured him out over the first four games. He scored 25 points in game one, 18 in game two, 15 in game three, and just three points in game four. He's now averaging about 15 points per game as the second leading scorer on this Nuggets team. And if I told you that Michael Porter would average 15 points per game in the series, you'd probably think that Denver went home. Probably think that Denver lost in the first round. Had I told you that that was all he was going to average. Denver's fortunate to be 2-2, frankly. They stole a game in Portland because of some great heroics from Austin Rivers but they lost the one game that Porter went off in so far, 25 points. They won game two as a team. It wasn't because of Michael Porter, it was because of the team effort. Game three was because of Rivers, and game four was shambolic. This series was always going to come down to how consistent and how effective Michael Porter would be as the true second option of this team. And this is a major test for him. He wanted the smoke, let's be honest about it. He wanted more shots, he wanted a larger role, now he is getting that. Now this is his opportunity to prove that he deserves it, to prove that it's not just hot shooting, to prove that his game is more than just that, he's more than just an outside shooter that can be pressured out of it. Like, the Blazers are turning him into Duncan Robinson right now, and Duncan Robinson knows how to run off screens well. Can Porter be more than that? Can he be more than just a tall, athletic, outside shooter? Because right now he isn't. Right now he isn't doing anything more than that. And the Nuggets, they're going to need a better effort from him. They're going to need more shots. They're going to need better defense. I thought his defense was improved in Game 4. It wasn't great, but it was still improved. He definitely wasn't the issue, in my opinion. But he's going to have to step up in these final two or three games. Because if he can't, I'm not sure Denver has another guy who can. Which brings me to my third question Will Mike Malone change the starting unit? I think there is absolutely a chance that this happens. It may not. It may be a situation where Denver doesn't want to, they don't want to change anything because they got a bad effort in game four, but they think they could bounce back. Maybe that's the case, but I do think that there is a chance that Denver replaces Faku Campazo or Austin Rivers in the starting unit. They wouldn't bench MPJ. They wouldn't bench Gordon. They wouldn't bench Jokic. Benching any of those three guys would be a really big affirmation. I, obviously, they won't bench Jokic. Like they could never do that, and the, like nor nor would any logical coach think of doing so. Gordon is also Denver's probably their best option at defending one through four across all of the other options on the Blazers starting unit. I think that's fair. And they wouldn't bench Porter. Porter's a guy that, like, he's going to have an opportunity to go off. And the Nuggets need that volatility in their starting unit in order to kind of free up around Nikola Jokic and give him some opportunities at, at other guys who can make shots. Denver doesn't have enough of those guys. So it's probably going to be Faku or Rivers. If they were to change something. Monte makes the most sense. He's the guy that's been playing the most amount of minutes. And I think that he's the guy that if you're if you're the nuggets and you're looking for anywhere to turn to, Monte is probably the guy. Because he's steady. He understands how to get his shots. He understands the, the timing of when to get his shots versus get other people involved. He's a good enough defender. Uh, the real question about whether to add him in is whether it makes sense to play him next to Faku or whether it's sense to play him next to Rivers. I think replacing Rivers doesn't necessarily make much sense size wise, because playing Monte and Faku together, I think that they they drop off in scoring a little bit. And they also drop off in size, and they need that size in order to uh, I think they have to kind of use their strength against Portland consistently. Like it's not just about like the front court. it's about being in, in the back court, rivers being taller than Lillard and McCollum. I think that matters. I think it matters. He can get a shot off over them. Barton is talented enough, of course. He could definitely jump into that starting unit, but can Denver realistically ask Barton to be impactful in the starting unit if he were to come back? I I don't think that's a fair ask. I don't think that's a fair question. So I bet if I were a betting man, I would bet that Monte Morris replaces Faku Kampazo in the starting unit on Tuesday. We're going to see. We're going to see if that's actually something that they do, and I think that's also justified to not change anything, because Faku hasn't necessarily been an issue in this series. I think he's mostly been good. He's made some plays. He's created shots for others. I think the lack of scoring, and individual scoring especially, individual creation, I think that's hurt Denver so far, and they haven't really been able to make the Blazers pay for staying so attached to Jokic as they are. And a porter, for that matter. Like, the other three guys should be able to take advantage of those opportunities, but they haven't been able to so far. So, Monte is an option to be able to do that. That would be my best guess. Uh, It may not come to pass, but it's at least something that I think Nuggets fans should mentally prepare themselves for. Because Denver will probably change their starting lineup... Before just conceding the series. Especially if they if they lost game five, like it would be crazy not to change the, the starting lineup at some point in game six. But focusing on game five first, I think it's at least possible that they changed something. Next question. Is Will Barton coming back? There's been a lot of discussion. There's been a lot of public and private discussion about him. Like I think it's been pretty clear that he's pretty close. Uh, The Nuggets, they need another capable player of scoring 20 points. And Will Barton has shown that ability. For all of your questions and uh, problems with Will Barton's mentality, I think what Nuggets fans can really see here in this series, especially after this game, is that Denver just needs people that can create their own shot. Outside of Nikola Jokic, Barton can do that. He can also get others involved, but more than anything, he's just a guy that can provide some production. Denver missed that production over the course of these past four games, and I think that it would be great to see Will Barton come back and see if he could perform. Would he start? Would he come off the bench? I don't know. I think it's probably coming off the bench, like playing twelve to fifteen minutes. That would be. A great sign, because at six six or six five, with his ability to go off the dribble, with his ability to shoot threes, he would have a really great opportunity to provide a nice scoring punch and to provide a nice lift for this Nuggets team that clearly needs it. Biggest question is he ready to perform? I don't know. I don't know if he's ready. He's had three straight playoffs now that have been affected by injuries. It would be really great if he could come back to this one and prove that he deserves the love of Nuggets Nation. It would be a great story. And final thing, do the Nuggets have another gear? Do they have another level that they can reach? Jamal Murray does, but he's not here. He's not playing. He showed that in the bubble, and it was one of the highest gears on anybody that we have ever seen. Nikola Jokic, he is a high gear, but he's really been operating in that high gear for the entire season. Can he still go higher? I think asking him to do more, I think that's impossible. Can Michael Porter Jr. be that dude? Does he have another gear? He clearly does. The question is whether he can find it. The question is whether the Nuggets can find him. He has to be able to get more than three shots off. In the next game, I think the Nuggets will work very hard to try to get him some shots, whether it's with the starters, whether it's with the bench. They're going to do what they can to get him some looks. And as they should, because they really need it. This Nuggets team, they really, really need a big scoring punch. Like I said, five total 20 point performances from this Nuggets team, three have come from Nicola, and they've been upwards of 30. One came from MPJ in the first game. One came from Austin Rivers in the third game. That was what won Denver the game. It could absolutely, like, if if Porter was able to do that again in game five, six, or seven, maybe even more than once, that would be a big difference for this team. They need that extra gear. Could it be Aaron Gordon? Could he be the one to use his physical gifts more consistently? Tonight, shot 2 of 7 from the field, 0 of 2 from 3, big-time regression game from him. He Got blocked at the rim multiple times, just wasn't a good offensive performance from Aaron Gordon. Denver needs more from him. If he's going to be out there as much as he is, they're going to need to see more. Could Monte Morris go for a career high? Could Paul Millsap be big off the bench again? Can Denver even lock down defensively? Because if they can't score, then in order to win, they're going to have to reduce the gap by defending better. Can they do any of those things? Can they get into Game 5 and put the pressure back on Portland again by finding a new gear? I think the Nuggets have a new gear to hit. It's got to start with Porter. Obviously, it starts with Jokic and getting him back on track. I think he'll be back on track in the home building. Can Porter hit shots at a high rate? Could Aaron Gordon hit 8 to 10 shots by going to the rim hard? Could Monte Morris find a new gear? I don't know what his career high is, but it would be nice to see Monte Morris just go off, be that guy that I think he can be. That he's shown flashes of being on a consistent basis. Can he do it? His career high in the regular season is 24. In the playoffs, it's 14. Can the Nuggets get a higher level performance from Monte? It's a big question. We're going to see what happens. Nuggets fans, don't hold your heads too, too low. The Nuggets still have home court advantage. The Blazers would still have to win on Denver's home floor in order to win this series. And frankly, if they do, if Denver were to go out in this series, they weren't without Jamal Murray anyway. They weren't without Will Barton for the first four games, maybe longer. They weren't without P.J. Dozier for the entire series. Who are the Blazers missing? Zach Collins? Like, B-Tech g What are we talking about here? Denver still has a high-level future. Michael Porter is still getting his feet wet. He's still trying to figure this out. If anything from this series, we figured a lot about who the Nuggets are and who they plan to be and what steps Michael Porter has to take to being that guy. Now we'll see if he can take them in this series. If he can, it'll be that much sweeter. That'll do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'll probably take a day off, uh, maybe podcast on Monday nights. Uh, we're going to have to see, though. I'll, I'll definitely have a guest on at that point, and we'll talk about this series, maybe bounce around the league a little bit. Uh, but should be fun. should be very interesting to see what Denver ultimately does. Uh, I'm looking forward to it just as much as all of you. Uh, Let's see if Nicole Jokic, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, and the rest of the Denver Nuggets can bounce back from what was a really tough game. That'll do it. We'll talk to you guys very soon.